sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And good afternoon. Welcome into the Tuesday edition of Fantasy Sports Today, covering the world of fantasy sports, the world of wagering as well. It's where fantasy meets reality, and we have plenty to talk about today here on the show. Of course, it is day two of the NBA playoffs. We've got a game starting in about an hour from now. Fantasy football now starting to get into full swing with players actually wearing pads on the field. And of course, we are right in the thick of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Uh, wouldn't be a day without controversy, and so we're going to dive into that here on the show as well. But Joe, good afternoon. Great to see you here again. And a fun night in baseball uh, turned out to be a little bit of a controversial night as well. Everybody hit two home runs last night, pretty much. You look across the board, I think it was four guys. Plus, we also had a, a fantastic moment where two brothers hit a home run in the same game. So it was a scoring fest, as we kind of alluded to yesterday. Slate kind of looked like that was going to be the case. Not a lot of great pitching on that slate. Uh, luckily, we did get that one good start from Ryu. Ugh, Ross Stripling, not so much. I uh, can't believe the Dodgers lost to a team that's 10 games under 500. Can't believe that at all. But that's baseball after all. And enough, enough with the people getting on Fernando Tatis. Craig, isn't this what it's all about? Personality and fun and home runs? I mean, that's what baseball is supposed to be, right? Yeah, that is the big story today that everyone is talking about, and certainly we'll dive into it as well. But first, let's take a look at what Tatis did last night and look at some of what we would call the top stories in fantasy today. Fernando Tatis Jr., two home runs and seven runs driven in. He leads the majors now in home runs with 11. Lewis Robert was one of a handful of players who had two home runs for the Chicago White Sox yesterday as Robert is certainly on a mission here for the American League Rookie of the Year, although Kyle Lewis is also having a great year, too. We'll talk about him in a minute. How about Donovan Mitchell's game yesterday? 57 points in a losing effort as the Jazz lose to the Nuggets in overtime. Jamal Murray had a great finish to that game yesterday. Really exciting couple of games, really exciting yesterday. Uh, Porzingis was ejected yesterday for Dallas. Uh, you know, Certainly, that was not well received around the NBA, for sure, <laughs> as uh, they, they fall to the Clippers without him, 118-110. to and, of course, Kawhi had his big game yesterday, too. Uh, tonight, of course, it's it's probably the series I think that people want to watch the most because the Blazers sort of snuck in the playoffs, but they've been probably the hottest team not named Phoenix. And uh, Lillard and LeBron will go head-to-head tonight, so we'll keep an eye on that game as well. Southeastern Conference released the college football schedule for 2020. The AAC, by the way, Atlantic American Conference, just announced that they will play in 2020. And so... It is following the bouncing ball in college football to figure out if they're going to play or not. Some of the smart people around there say that this is all for nothing because there is going to be no college football. I don't know which way to go with this thing here, but let's get back to the Tatis discussion here for a minute, Joe. Uh, yesterday, uh, Tatis has a 3-0 and count and uh, is told by his manager to take the pitch. He does not. He ends up hitting a grand slam in the game, which gave him seven RBIs in the game. Of course, the very next batter is Manny Machado. The pitcher throws behind him. The umpires do absolutely nothing about it. No warning, no throw out, nothing there. So, uh, look, Joe, at this stage, it is every it is what everybody is talking about today, so we may as well start off with it. It is pretty much an open and shut case. I mean, I, I don't know 
why uh, it requires Reggie Jackson and Johnny Bench to have to make sense for everybody else. But the reality is, is that you never know what can happen in a Major League Baseball game. And so to ask somebody to take on a 3-0 and as the manager is legitimate. And the fact that Tatis did not listen to his manager and did not take the pitch is a legitimate beef that the manager should have. But unfortunately, what happened there is it sort of trickled into the post game there, and Jace Tingler basically said it was a learning experience. Now, look, Joe, Tatis has got to listen to the manager. That's for sure. Okay, a manager tells you to do something. There's no excuse to not do it. But at the same time, once the grand slam is hit, it may be in your best interest after the game, besides the fact that the, the Rangers manager, Woodward, is just, I don't know what he was thinking, saying all the things he was saying and throwing behind the pitcher. But let's talk about even defending your own player. That's the kind of thing where you kid around post game and said, yeah, we did tell him to take. He didn't listen, but I guess the result was okay. But next time, probably shouldn't do that. Fair enough. But, man, he came down super hard, and Tatis even apologized after the game. I just it's shocking to see all that play out like that. Fernando Tatis Jr. will be in baseball a lot longer than Chase Tingler. I can tell you that right now as we welcome in our radio audience here on Sports Group to Fantasy Sports today. Uh, but I'll tell you this. Fernando Tatis Jr. is a premium talent. Fernando Tatis Jr., I understand he's very young. I get all of that. I understand that. And I understand there's the unwritten rules of baseball, which I know we all have a lot of feelings on. However, uh, those rules, I think, get thrown out of the window when it comes to players like Albert Pujols, when it comes to players like Juan Soto, when it comes to Mike Trout, when it comes to transcendent players. And I know it's difficult to wrap your mind around that, everyone, that a player at 22 years old can possibly be that good. And you know what? A player that young now in Major League Baseball is that good. So I think we have to basically step back and realize when the best player potentially in the National League comes up with a bases load and a 3-0 count, he's going to see a fastball down the middle. That's on Jace Tingler to not give him the take side. <laughs> he's there. You swing away, kid. You go win this baseball game. And and I'm not saying it's it's good baseball or bad baseball. I'm saying is it probably the same thing a lot of other people would say, which is you have to manage to your players and your star players the best coaches in football, the best managers in baseball, manage them differently because they are different. And I know it's difficult to wrap your mind around that, that he's different at this age. But, Craig, it's reality, not fantasy, that he is. Yeah, he's, he's arguably, if not one of the best, the best players uh, in baseball. Uh, I Listen, I understand Tingler's point of view. I do. Uh, he made the wrong choice by telling him to uh, take the pitch. But at the point that he makes that choice... Tatis does have to take the pitch because you got to listen to the manager or else no players are ever going to listen to their manager and you can't have that. But it was a bad call to make him take it. And it was a worse call, honestly, after the game to mm. not just kid around about it and say, yeah, I mean, listen, what am I going to do? He's a great player. Next time, he obviously will listen to what I said. That's not what happened. Very bizarre. We'll have our fantasy standouts here on Sports Grid next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And 
Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid as Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Lauren Carpenter going to talk some fantasy football with Joe coming up in just a little bit. Give you the latest on NFL training camp and latest on average draft position as well. So make sure you stay with us the entire show. And Joe, it was sort of an epic night for home runs, not for the single variety, but for the double variety. I, I don't even think that I was able – I had to make two – uh, graphics today for all of the fantasy standouts. I just didn't think one was enough. And meanwhile, it wasn't even a full schedule yesterday. No, everybody was going yard yesterday, which is good for baseball. I understand pitching is rough right now. I understand the bullpens are rough. I get there's a lot of injuries, but offense is good for baseball. I mean, when baseball was rocking and rolling during the uh, steroid era, it was about the offense. What do they say? Chicks dig the long ball. Well, I dig the long ball too. And uh, I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. Scoring is good. Great pitching is also good. Uh, it wouldn't be nice to see a little bit more of that from time to time. But this is also what happens on some of those nights where the starters in the back of the rotations all line up. And because everybody's been playing so much, we've had a lot of that where almost that same schedule sort of carries over where, you know, the day of the week where you're getting the fours and the fives, basically. And it's basically resulting in the kind of nights you're seeing here where there's just a massive amounts of offense. And we kind of alluded to it yesterday on the show, too, which is, hey, pitching's rough today. You're going to want to take some money and just spend it, spend it on the White Sox offense. That was when we were targeting. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, that Mets offense was pretty decent yesterday. They look like they might be good again today. But, Craig, this is a trend here you have to pay attention to. Tonight, some better pitchers on the mound, but certainly last night it was all about offense. It was. Let's get right to it and talk about who did what for us in fantasy. Fernando Tatis Jr., we could probably start off with him every segment today. Uh, Two home (laughs) runs, he drove in seven runs, he leads the majors in home runs, and so... Fernando Tatis is the face of Major League Baseball at the start of the 2020 season. No question about that. Lewis Robert of the White Sox is not that far behind, really. This kid is a rookie. He's already got four home runs. He had two home runs in the game yesterday, and the White Sox have been great. Tim Anderson also hit two home runs yesterday as well. He's got five home runs, and and really at this stage, got to consider him at least a top three shortstop in baseball. Maybe maybe the top guy at shortstop in baseball. Led the league in hitting last year. He's doing it again this year. Okay, I was at the Marlins-Mets game last night, which was really ugly, and Robinson Cano (laughs) was one of the reasons. He hit two home runs. Pete Alonso hit two home runs, as this game was over pretty much from the beginning, as Jordan Yamamoto uh, put a lot of guys on, got shelled early, and then got sent to their alternate camp after the game. Tells you how unfortunate they felt about him, sending him out almost immediately. Kyle Lewis continues to hit. This guy is not slowing down. Three more hits, another home run yesterday. He now has five. This is a battle between him and Robert for the American League Rookie of the Year if they're giving out that award. He certainly is right up there for sure. Uh, Mookie Betts had two hits. He also hit his ninth home run of the season, so he's not that far behind Fernando Tatis Jr. We'll keep an eye on him. In terms of other fantasy standouts, we got a second page of guys here. Mike Trout hit his 10th home run of the 2020 season. Luke Voigt hit two home runs, Joe, so he has seven. Randall Grichuk hit one. He has three. Your guy from last night, Hunjin Rue, pitched very well against the Orioles. Six innings pitched, four hits, one and run, no walks, three strikeouts. And then our uh, second pitcher of note was Zach Gallen, who was fantastic. And then the bullpen gave up yeah. all the runs. Seven innings pitched, three hits, one and run, eight strikeouts. So, wow, lots to get through there today. But if you <laughs> had any of them in DFS or fantasy, you're very happy this morning. Let's put it that way. Yeah, boy, I mean, uh, you're, you must be exhausted after running through all of that. that. That was a lot. 
And and you probably could have gone even deeper, potentially, with yeah, some, those names, yeah. some of those performances there. I want to highlight the Gallon one because that was one yesterday was on the fence with. Um, and not because a Gallon uh, is not a great pitcher, because I, I think he is. But it was a start where the price on FanDuel was right at that limit of the potential outcome. And you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, man, this is a tough one right here. And when he goes out there and throws a start like that, that makes you understand that even next week or the next time he takes a turn in the rotation, if it's $500, $600 more, and it's a tough potential matchup, that you should feel good about Zach Allen. And every now and then you get some of these starts where I think they're definitive. And I think this one for Gallon uh, last night was one of them in, in those moments where it goes from being a pitcher you really like to a pitcher that you feel really comfortable with. And anyway, he takes that next step there for me, uh, at least in a daily fantasy world on a certain slate where you feel like, hey, this guy's a cash game guy. I don't care who it's against. This is the guy. And I got to give you credit. You were very much on Gallon in the beginning of the year for sure. He's one of your favorite guys going into the year. Uh, and you absolutely nailed it. And this guy really has taken that next step forward for me. And uh, it's good to see Ryu continuing to be good as well. I mean, that's a thing. And, and, you know, we highlighted it, you know, just because the guy's ERA is high to start the year, look at what he's done recently. And we highlighted his last 11 innings were outstanding. And guess what? He has another six to throw on top of this too. Uh, just one earned run. Now I think he's got like three earned runs over his last 17 innings or something to that effect. So doesn't get too much better than that. The high strikeout rate, no. But is he a guy who can get you wins? I think the answer is yes to that. And Luke Voigt, not a bad night. Another guy who had two home runs, Greg. Yeah, uh, and Gallon, by the way, shut down the Rockies in Colorado and shut down the Oakland A's. So, yep. I mean, man, real impressive. Uh, his last two starts, really, you know, it's 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 hard to look at him any other way at this point. Uh, speaking of Luke Voigt, he's uh, the Yankees moved him all the way up to second in the lineup with Stanton out and Judge out. And, uh, and Void has done a really good job. Remember, he had 21 home runs for them last year. And last night after the game, basically says he doesn't care where he's in the lineup as long as he's in it. And I've hit anywhere from second to seventh this year. And, you know, obviously you want uh, AJ and G back in that lineup, you know, hitting early in the lineup too. But, you know, I uh, I just I like to know that I'm in the, in the lineup every day and it doesn't matter where I'm, where I'm hitting, I'm to be ready to go. And, and, and listen, this goes back to last year's 28 home runs in, in less than 160 games for Luke Voigt, Joe. And, and so the Yankees are right back in that same scenario that they were a year ago, whether it is Voigt or Talkman or Ford or now even Clint Frazier. Somehow the Yankees replacements just keep getting it done. Yeah. And you know what? The Yankees take a lot of grief, as they should, for spending so much money on the players they do. I mean, God knows they're spending a lot of money between Stan and Cole and some other names on this roster. However, it's these guys that have been getting it done more often than not in the last few years. It's the Clint Frazier's of the world who they acquired via trade. It's Luke Voigt, who they kind of picked up off the scrap heap. And I, and I think when you look at these numbers right now for these guys, it tells you the real story of the Yankees, the Gio Urshela's of the world, who I thought was basically a quad A player, and they've turned him into something. So I want to give Brian Cashman credit. Yes, it helps to have a lot more money because it's easier to be wrong and eat mistakes when you have as much money as the Yankees do. But at the same time, I, I think this second run here that Brian Cashman has had uh, over this tenure as GM, you know, that first run with the core four and all that stuff and greatness. But then as you move on to the second part of the New York Yankees here and you see what's gone on here and what they've done, acquiring the Glaber Torres of the world, you know, they've done a great job of identifying and acquiring talent 
and continuing to be a good baseball team at the same time, which as you know, in the draft can be a difficult thing. You're picking much later. So what they've done is they've been able to find these other guys, make the most of some forgotten prospects and some forgotten pieces on other teams and basically turned it around. And they have been integral parts to the Yankees success in the last two years. And they're going to need them because I don't think, you know, I don't know if the Yankees can get a win a world series without judge, without Stanton, without all these guys. But Craig, do you think these guys that are in there right now, Voight, Frazier, Urshela, these kind of players, do you think they can win a World Series with these names? Yeah, I think that the Yankees may want to take the safe approach here because they do play so well with some of these backup players. And perhaps really the way to go with this would be to just let Stanton and Judge sit until it's time for Mm. the postseason. I know that that's crazy to say, but maybe just bring them back for a week or two before because they just haven't proven they could stay healthy over the last couple of years. And and even Stan said it in his press conference how pre- uh, frustrated he was yesterday. So uh, it may be the tact. I mean, that may be the way to go with it, because otherwise I just don't see a, a positive scenario coming out of this. But yet, maybe they get those guys back, Joe, last week of September, then roll into the postseason. I don't know that that necessarily rewards all of the players that stepped in and helped out. But look, Stanton is making $300 million and Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. And so... Uh, Ford and Talkman and 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 even Voight, maybe to a degree, maybe even Clint Frazier, they're going to have to take a back seat. But it is an incredible story to think about mm-hmm. that for two years in a row, where we would go into a year and say, well, everything that happened to the Yankees last year, if it happens again, we're going to get a different result. Because I think that that was the common thread. But Agreed. no, it's, it's the same thing, and the same guys are producing. Maybe they just are one of the deepest teams in all of Major League Baseball. We got the update with Chris coming up next. And then, of course, we're going to touch on the DFS action in the NBA today. The tip drill is coming up with Greg and Jeremy, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, Then we'll dive into some fantasy football today, switch it up a little bit, talk about some players who had really good years last year. Are they headed the other way this year? Find out next. This is Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, thanks a lot, Greg and Jeremy. Check out all of the action tonight in today in the NBA. We've got a game starting in about an hour from now. Very excited for another day of NBA in the afternoon. Should be fun in between my my, uh, Little League coaching work and all this other stuff I got going on today. Going to be a busy day after the the show is over. Just a quick baseball note before we get to some football here as well. Uh, John Heyman of MLB Network reporting Matt Harvey is back in the big leagues with the Kansas City Royals just to tell you that anybody can make it back if you work hard enough. Daniel Bart, Matt Harvey, who who knows who's coming back next in Major League Baseball, but uh, not sure even what he's doing. The starter bullpen, we'll have to update that a little bit later on, but certainly a lot of Mets fans I know uh, wanted to hear that one, so there you go. Uh, okay, so in the, in the midst of all the coach speak, Joe, of Gronk being too hot, and the, and the Eagles having one running back. You know, it's like you hear all this, this stuff out there. There's actual data and stats that you could point to to predict things and predict outcomes, and they're not exact. And certainly in this COVID world of the 2020 football season, who even knows what we can expect? Melvin Gordon can't breathe in Colorado? Yeah, it's nuts. Like how the overreaction to this stuff is, <laughs> is off the charts for one day. Crazy. Uh, but let's actually dive into some stats here a minute and talk about some 
candidates of some players who could potentially take a step back. We'll start off with one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL per year. Ryan Tannehill <laughs> going into his <laughs> one-year right. deal, I believe it is, this year with the Tennessee Titans. Boy, they paid a hefty sum to keep that guy in Tennessee, Joe. They sure did. And, and here, here's the thing. That sometimes enters our consciousness as well. It's like, wow, guy had a great season. Titans went on a great run. And, man, this guy got paid. They must believe in him. And, and I'm not going to sit here and rag on what Ryan Tannehill did last year because it was it was really good. Uh, but I think you have to look at it and be realistic as well. Uh, nobody was actually as good as Ryan Tannehill yesterday, uh, last year, as good against uh, the pressure. So uh, nobody else had a QB rating over 110 like he did against pressure. And that's also a concern. Like, where's the offensive line at in terms of pass protection? Why is he getting pressured so much in the first place? And if so, can he continue to make those kind of really good decisions on the fly and be as efficient as he was? And he had a couple of big outings there. He had one 32-point week there as a quarterback. Uh, he was averaging somewhere around 18 or so points, uh, fantasy points per game as a quarterback, which is really good level. But uh, as much as you, you look at the data in the game log, it starts to tell you, okay, it was really part of that great run to close the season, the last month of the season, and then carried over into the playoffs. And I just want people to be realistic and look at the body of work in Ryan Tannehill and the body of work of some other guys there at the low end QB one, high end QB two range. And realize that he is not in the same category as Ben Roethlisberger. He's not in the same category, potentially, even as Cam Newton. Doesn't mean you can't roster him. It's just you have to be realistic and understand that everything broke right last year. And regression is probably lined up for him. Especially when you talk about this is an offense that doesn't throw the ball a lot in the first place to begin with. Yeah, it's impossible to argue any of that data. Um, you know, look, Tannehill has never put two years together, let alone one like the one right. that he had last year. Um, the only thing that I would say is just looking overall at his numbers, they may be similar only because he didn't play the entire season, but from an interceptions point of view, I think that's a big number that's going to go up this year. I can't see that ratio continuing, um, at running back, uh, Aaron Jones last year, uh, Joe was, was what, what he grayed out top five fantasy guy in the whole league. I mean, 19 number touchdowns, two he was in incredible. Fantasy PPR. He's number two. Running yeah. Back so, last you know, year, I mean, you know. not, not surprising, not surprising for Aaron Jones. Uh, I'm not really sure what what direction Green Bay is going. Clearly, they added a running back in the draft, and uh, there were a lot of situations, a lot of pass interference calls for uh, the Packers near the end zone where Jones got a lot of short touchdowns, too. And and it doesn't take anything away from his performance, but you look at those numbers, Joe, and you could certainly see the yards, and you could see the receptions, and you could see the rushing yards being a factor. But, man, 19 touchdowns last year. He could still get 15, and you'd be very happy with that, but I, I think you would point to another player here that could take a little bit of a step back. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Once again, this was a phenomenal season, and we don't want to discount it, but I don't think you can draft Aaron Jones thinking he's going to have an identical season in 2020 to what he had in 2019. Then you're drafting a team for last year, which is always a very dangerous thing to do. So even if the touchdowns come down to 14 or 50, hey, that's still a, a low-end RB1, fantastic outing, maybe even higher. Maybe maybe he does shoot past guys like Dalvin Cook. It's possible. But at the same time, I think you have to be realistic uh, and look at the body of work as a whole. Uh, look at also the times that they've tried to replace him in the past and also the fact that they did draft somebody else. But I would also say this, even though Aaron Jones did finish second last year, it was also because he had some injuries to guys like Saquon Barkley. So that is not quite the full story. When you go back and you factor in all those other pieces to the story, it tells you where Aaron Jones really does stack up and he will regress a little bit this year. Still good, but not necessarily worth paying last year's productivity price. 
Yeah, and I would agree with those two. The third one that you've done the research on, I don't know that I would agree just because I don't think that anybody really knows what to expect with the Buccaneers. They're just so unpredictable to me going into the year. And uh, and look, I, I can't look at Evans' overall numbers because certainly he missed a couple games at the end of the year. Um, so you, you'd have to sell me a little bit on this one, Joe, because I just don't know which way the Bucks could go. Is Brady going to have a renaissance and throw for 35 touchdowns? Is this going to be a running team? Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I it, it's a really unpredictable team for me going into the year. It's one of those, even win total wise, I want to stay away from against the spread, stay away from, I need some data to see what Brady looks like yeah. in a Bucks uniform to make that decision. Well, I can tell you the first bit of data is you look at that yards per reception, 17. Brady does not throw the same deep ball that Jameis Winston throws. And I think that's the first thing you have to recognize at this stage in Brady's career. It's not that Brady's not a good quarterback. Of course he is. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, in my opinion. But at this stage of his career, you have to be realistic. Evans is a guy who really succeeded quite a bit on those deep throws with Winston. And that's the one thing that Brady does not do as well at this stage of his career. Therefore, I think when you start pulling that back and you realize Godwin's probably the better fantasy receiver in terms of consistency, that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at it. Not that Evans can't be good. But he was already up and down in terms of game log last year, and now you're taking away the deep ball as well. I think that's a bad combination and a little bit of regression possibly for Evans. All right, coming up next, it has been a banner night for home runs for the Chicago White Sox the last two nights. An incredible 48 hours that they have had. Can they continue with going? We're going to touch on what they've done and what they can be coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. FST here with you on Sports Grid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia, got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Coming up a little bit later, right here on our network, Scott Farrell going coast to coast with you. Make sure you stay tuned for his show. Previews of all of the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball games tonight from a betting perspective. And, of course, if you're going to make your bets, make sure you do it over on the FanDuel Sportsbook and playing DFS. Do that the same way. In fact, we'll have a little bit of a DFS preview coming up in less than 10 minutes from now. Uh, But, Joe, I think that it goes without saying that the White Sox right now are a formidable team offensively. They're good for stacking in DFS. They're good for fantasy baseball as well. The pitching is a little bit lacking, and I'm curious to see what they'll do in two weeks if they decide to try and upgrade and make a trade, although they're going to have competition with 20 other teams in Major League Baseball. So I kind of feel like who they have is who they have, so to speak. Mm. And and look, they thought that they'd get some contribution from Kopech, that is for sure, and that did not happen. Dylan Cease has been up and down. Reynaldo Lopez has been up and down. Keiko's been okay. Giolito's been up and down. And so that's really the part of the element of, of their team that is lacking But if they're going to be hitting this many home runs, I'm not sure that they even need any pitching to get to the postseason. Getting there may be a little bit of a different story once they are there. Yeah, and getting there, I think, is very important for them this year because I don't know if they're a favorite even if they got in to win the whole damn thing. Of course, any team could get hot at the right time. There's no doubt about that. But inconsistency in the rotation has certainly been the plague of the Chicago White Sox so far. And Dylan Cease has pitched better of late. So if he can start to find himself, that is good. But you mentioned Kopech, and that was the one to me that I thought, you know, this is a team that even if he doesn't start out of the gate as a starter, maybe potentially they can catch lightning in a bottle with Kopech, and he could just start mowing guys down. And you and I both know when you have a pitcher who's that electric potentially on the the mound, it does kind of filter out 
the rest of the team, you go, oh, we're unbeatable with this guy on the mound tonight. And it becomes infectious, just like winning does. And with Kopech opting out, I think that was a big hit to this potential rotation, especially because the innings limit was no longer a restriction. There was no worries here with Kopech in the 60-game season. You could basically just let it all hang out with him. But unfortunately, you're not going to see that this year. I think that if they could just find some other just even mid-level starting pitcher to help just give them a little bit of depth in there. I think that that is definitely a move to make because who's to say that Giolito can't get hot and Dallas Keuchel can't get on a good run where they could make a deep run into the playoffs. Yes, the offense is going to carry them there. And yeah, I agree with you. I do have some concerns whether or not the Chicago White Sox can hold out very long in a short series with the pitching is currently constituted. But Let's hope that Dylan Cease continues tonight to do that path upward, which is basically where the trend is pointing right now. And as long as the offense keeps doing what it's doing, I mean, it's hard to argue that on any given night they can't beat anybody. Yeah, and uh, they're a great reliever from last year. Aaron Bumber's been on the injured list as well. They're just they're mm-hmm. they're the pitching is struggling, and that's that's the nice way to put it. The hitting is not though. Take a look at these numbers from the last two games the White Sox have played, and who's got involved in the action. You have Yasmani Grandal hitting a home run. Uh, of course, they had that back-to-back-to-back-to-back, and so uh, Eloy Jimenez was involved in that, so was Jose Abreu. Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, two home runs yesterday. Lewis Robert, two home runs yesterday. Danny Mendick hit a home run. Yohan Mancata's got back-to-back games with home runs. This is staggering. Ten home runs the last two games for the uh, Chicago White Sox. And one of the players that has really started to get a lot more credit and accolades, even after winning the American League batting title. Some people thought a regression would be coming for shortstop Tim Anderson, but his manager, uh, Rick Renteria, after the game last night, basically said that uh, Renteria uh, is is looking at what he sees in Anderson and sees him as a star. Well, I know we've talked about him in the, in the past and in, in, in the current. He's a kid that we keep saying is continuing to mature and to grow and to get better. Um, I know it's, it's hard to, to believe, but uh, he's doing what I think he's going to ultimately be as he continues to move forward. Is he always going to be as, as sharp? Probably not, but he's showing you now some consistency. I think everybody's starting to see the consistency in his approaches and in his at-bats, even though it's a very abbreviated time span right now. But he, I think everybody's recognizing, I mean, what he's capable of doing. And so, you know, we want him to just continue to do it and, and, and enjoy himself. And, um, you know, it's not always going to be perfect, but he does a, he, he's really grown up and he's matured and he's becoming a fantastic hitter. Joe, it's, it's hard to call somebody underrated after they win the batting title, but you probably <laughs> wouldn't name Anderson among the top shortstops in the game. There are a lot of others that have more popularity, more flair, uh, you know, it's Fernando Tatis comes to mind, of course, no question about him. Carlos Correa is a name that would come up at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor would come up at shortstop uh, for sure because Lindor is right there with all of those guys. But statistically speaking, the last two years for Tim Anderson, 2019 and 2020, he's stacking up with the best. And so I guess he is one of the best. Yeah, and Corey Seager kind of getting back into that uh, conversation as well. But Tim Anderson, another player, too, that has a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of, you know, got a lot of edge to him. It's my kind of player. I like those guys. There's not enough of that in baseball. Everybody's all buddy-buddy with everybody. You know what? Tim Anderson's not like that. Tim Anderson wants to beat you in his submission. He wants to win. I love that. It reminds me of my old 86 Mets team back there. 
uh, and the way they would just be really super aggressive. And I think that's how you have to play the game, especially over a long season. 162 games can be brutal. You need guys like Tim Anderson who have that fire in there. And at the top of this order, he has absolutely ignited it. And uh, not only is he hit for power, but you mentioned winning the batting title last year. He's got some speed. He has really developed, and, and it took a little while because he wasn't great out of the gate. There was a lot of strikeouts. A lot of you know people were really excited about him, and then there was some early concerns, especially some of the BABIP numbers and some of the deeper stats. And a lot of the stat nerds were saying, "Ah, Tim Anderson's never going to be a thing." Well, guess what? They were wrong because Tim Anderson has proven everybody wrong right now. That thought he wasn't going to be a thing. He absolutely is a thing. And uh, who knows in two or three years from now, how much better he could even become. And I will say this too. You look at the white Sox collectively, they are fifth right now in terms of home runs. The only teams better than them. we got the Yankees, the Dodgers, the angels, and the Padres. That's it in terms of team home runs. So this team is slugging and Tim Anderson is a big part of that. And maybe Craig, we are in a Renaissance of shortstops right now. You look at that list we put out there. Lindor wasn't even on that list that you just threw out. There. Yeah. Not for this year. Correa. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, and both of those guys should be on there in terms of talent. Lindor's been a little bit slow out of the gate. I could have easily done it. Uh, but these, yeah. four, these four were really just better than the rest at the start of the season, for sure. Uh, speaking of Correa, he is out of the Astros lineup, just getting a day off today. But the other player, Joe, who is out is uh, Jordan Alvarez, who came back with a bang and hit a home run in his first at-bat. But, <laughs> man, this is the second day in a row, Joe, that he's not able to play. He has these sort of lingering leg issues the skipper dusty baker said that he wasn't going to see any of the field this year and essentially only be a designated hitter which is fine i mean guys are, are heading in that direction vladimir guerrero jr i think is heading in that direction too and, and guys are just going to come up and be dhs now because there's going to be the dh i think in the national league even uh, next year too it's you know sort of what i'm hearing but regardless of that is there concern at this point for alvarez that he can't even stay healthy as a dh because that would be really disappointing I think it's more than concern. I think it's terror. Uh, I think if you're talking in the dynasty baseball community right now, they're terrified because this is such a great talent that chances are you paid a huge price to acquire at some point in time. And it's just really frustrating to think of a player this young having these kind of issues who can't stay on the field just to DH at this stage. It's one thing to, like you said, to make him a DH. Edgar Martinez became a DH relatively early in his career. Uh, David Ortiz was a very productive DH for a very long time. This is fine. This is the hyper specialization of baseball taking over and becoming a through line here for some young players who are, you know, some guys are lefty specialists now. Some guys only do this. Some guys only do that. Well, some guys are only going to DH now. That's where we're getting to in Major League Baseball. But the fact that his age right now with his body in a short season even can't get on the field just to DH. I think it's very concerning, Craig. And it's really frustrating because just as a sheer baseball fan, I want to see this guy on the field. This guy is an incredible talent. You look at the numbers last year, hitting 30 plus home runs between AAA and the big leagues last year. And then when he came up, the guy basically just tore through major league pitching. And we're talking lefties, right? We're talking, it doesn't matter. Forget what ballpark it's in. You go look at this guy's deep stats, man. This guy hits everywhere, everything, everyone. And you want those kind of players. Major League Baseball needs those kind of players in the lineup. So I got to tell you, man, from a fantasy standpoint, this is really frustrating and a little scary. I don't know what you could even trade him off for if you're trying to get out of the Alvarez business right now, because I'm not sure what you can get because the concern level might be so high. Yeah, I think what what the Astros need to do is somehow get in touch with Big Poppy because David Ortiz very early on in his career sort of had the same thing. And even toward the middle and end, he, had, he was always hurt. His, his feet were always hurting him. His lower half was always hurting him. And he had to fight sometimes to play through games. 
And Joe, to me, that's a really good example of a player that honestly, like, sort of has that profile of, of what David Ortiz was. Physically. Yeah, and and I think that... And when when you are that big, you're going to have lower issues. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, really big guys don't run around that well like that. And you could speak to all sports like that. Um, and in particular, you look at the NFL, those guys are running up and down the field constantly, and they have a training camp for that. You can't simulate that in baseball if you have to constantly be on your feet and running. And Ortiz found a way through the years to fight through it and talked about it a ton, about how after games he had to take his shoes off and it was just miserable how bad his feet felt. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to have to have some sort of plan with him, Joe, because I just don't think what they're doing is working. It's in... Um, you know that they, I would be concerned too, but hopefully a full off season, even if this season doesn't work out, would be the cure. Yeah, and moreover to that point too, I, I think that the the need to figure this out is magnified because you know that they're missing draft picks in the next two years, right? So a young player like Alvarez in their system, you have to find a way for him to become a star. You have to find a way to make sure he's in the lineup for the next few years because what's behind him potentially in the years to come might not be as good. So I think it's even magnified when you take a look at the penalty that they took for the the cheating scandal and the fact that you need Correa to become Correa finally at age 25. You need Alvarez to stay on the field. You need this next crop of big stars to kind of age into their roles here and become superstars as Altuve, Springer, and some of these other guys kind of age out. Now, look, Bregman's still there, too. I don't want to lose him in the shuffle of this. But, you know, Brantley's in his 30s already. You know, got some age there. Gurriel's an older player. There's going to be some turnover in this Astros roster pretty soon. And that turnover needs to be passing the baton to Bregman, Correa, and hopefully Alvarez. Because if Alvarez isn't one of those guys, man, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow because uh, you're not going to be able to generate necessarily in the draft the way you did in the past that same kind of superstar potential. And yes, there's always the, the the foreign market. And yes, there's always other things you can do to supplement that, make trades and free agent signings. But I think it's really imperative they figure out a way to do this. And you make a great point. Maybe somebody like Ortiz can be a mentor to him and figure that out. They've got to figure out something because 22 years old, not being able to be on the field because of that knee issue is really, really frightening, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, coming up next, we uh, we got to do this on the fly here a little bit with our DFS preview because, again, a couple of games postponed again in uh, in baseball today. Uh, so hopefully uh, the Reds and Royals are eventually going to get to be back on the field. But as of now, doesn't look like they will be playing. Nonetheless, we'll have our DFS preview coming up next. Also, a little bit later in the show, a little bit of a deeper dive into some fantasy football as well as Lauren Carpenter is going to join Joe on the show. They'll talk about some of the running backs in fantasy, including Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Are those two guys still elite running backs in fantasy, or should you be passing on them when your draft day does come? Also, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe Pizzapia on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. Go over to our YouTube channel. That is where you can find all of the videos that we do here, 12 to 2 Eastern on Fantasy Sports Today and all of the other shows that we broadcast here, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want gambling advice, wagering advice, if you want DFS advice, of course, we have Daily Roto, and all kinds of different shows for you, not just from the sports world, but also from the entertainment world as well. So that's how you can get us. Also, don't forget Sports Grid Radio, Scott Wetzel in the morning, broadcasting all day long, and now on the Mightier 1090 in San Diego, California. We got digital, terrestrial, we're everywhere here on Sports Grid. That's how we do it. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with our DFS preview for today. Don't go away. More Sports Grid, more fantasy sports today is straight ahead. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. And after our DFS segment is done, you want to stay with us right here on the grid. If you're watching on YouTube, just add us to your playlist, and you could just continue on with the show for the next hour. But coming up at the top of the hour, recap our top stories. We've got some fantasy football discussion. And uh, also dive into uh, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, and their potential closing situation, which clearly is going to have to change after what we saw last night. Uh, but, Joe, we, we thought today would be the full slate of games. And, again, unfortunately, uh, the, well, fortunately, Major League Baseball is being very careful and they've decided yes. to uh, play the Reds and, and Royals two games tomorrow as opposed to one today. And, honestly, two seven-inning games, I don't think the players will complain all that much, although they got to sit in the hotel one more day. Uh, so we got to make a replacement here for one of the players you got, and let's go ahead and give people some more uh, tips in terms of who you like tonight in DFS. Absolutely. All right, so let's start here with the top of the pitching board, and let's start with Carlos Carrasco. He's the cash game arm, and once again, there aren't a whole lot of big-time strikeout arms on the slate tonight. So if you want to take this Carlos Carrasco lineup and you want to drop it into a tournament, the, the it's not a bad play because he has the most upside. He has the best strikeout potential on this slate, in my opinion, for the evening. Not to mention the win equity as well. So Carrasco against Pittsburgh is a great matchup for him. Kenta Maeda has gone six innings in his last three starts. And uh, once again, it's about win equity. At 8.8, .8, it's a good price where you can go pay up for a lot more offense. You can go pay up for the Twins offense. Guys like Eddie Rosario. Guys like them, the White Sox we were just talking about. And still get Kenta Maeda, who's got a good path to the W. Bryce Harper is worth paying up for at 4.2. Good matchup for him against the righty tonight. And Jesse Winker is going to be out because the Reds are out. So slide in uh, Carlos Santana or Robinson Cano. Same kind of price there. Both are 2.8 and 2.9 respectively on FanDuel. I think those two guys will be getting into the bullpens sooner than later in those games. And Santana from the left side and Cano from the left side have some good matchups uh, on that slate tonight as well and some good value. So that's your evening DFS here uh, for today. And we got some day games coming up, and so Joe and I will have a preview on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Rockies and Astros, as we mentioned, lineups are out for uh, right now for Houston, as they're going to be missing both Alvarez and Carlos Correa today. But Abraham Toro's back in their lineup. Maybe he's a potential DFS option for you if you're playing during the day. Our top stories in fantasy are next, and a new closer for the Giants, if you have any interest. Next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.